Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth. I'm Keith Ponywaz here from uh, Corona Teen, as it were. Uh, do want to apologize in advance since we're recording at home. If you hear my uh, lovely dog Paisley barking in the background, uh, you'll you'll forgive us for that. Uh, but this week, you know, a lot of you are uh, kind of stuck at home, and and maybe to broaden your horizon, we're going to bring you an episode of. Uh, from Madison to the World sort of podcast, because I'm very lucky to be joined by the director of uh, community and fan engagement of Forward Madison, uh, Kuba Shishostaniak. Uh, Kuba, uh, thanks for joining us today. Keith, thank you for having me. And uh, again, a stellar pronunciation of my last name. I appreciate that. Well, you know, with the last name like Pony Waz that we've clearly <laughs> Americanized, we, we have to take it uh, take it to, to heart. Um <laughs> Which actually speaks to, uh, you know, kind of one of the from Madison to the world things is you came to the United States. Uh, you you weren't born here. You came here from Poland in, in the 1980s. Is that right? Yeah. So my, my parents, uh, they won a green card in the green card lottery um, in the early 90s. Um, so we moved, we moved over to Madison uh, when I was, we were lucky we had some family friends that lived here. Um, so I moved here when I was about five years old. So born in Poland, but definitely, you know. My formative years are, are as a, a Madisonian and a Wisconsinite. And then uh, you, you sort of took advantage of that Polish connection. And this is, I think, you know, one of the more interesting things, perhaps, for our listeners who may be familiar with Forward Madison, but maybe uh, less so with uh, uh, your sort of backstory is, and, and your experiences. Uh, you, you took soccer and kind of ran with it um, and ended up back in Germany working for the Bundesliga. Yeah, it's kind of a, a perfect storm for me. You know, I kind of graduated, finished up university at uh, UW-Milwaukee kind of at this time when, uh, you know, the digital media space was kind of, you know, exploding uh, social media platforms and people using using social media for, for content. Um, and luckily having, you know, the Polish passport with Poland being in the EU, kind of EU citizenship and that ability to, to live and work anywhere in the European Union, um, took advantage of that and moved to Germany and lived in Cologne for a few years and worked for the uh, German Bundesliga, the top division uh, of soccer in Germany. So before that, you had worked for Kick TV in the United States, which uh, late mm-hmm. lamented uh, soccer YouTube <laughs> channel and so on. And, um, you know, you had developed quite a, quite a few experiences there. Uh, what sort of expertise did you bring to the Bundesliga and what did you see that you helped change there and there? in their marketing. Yeah. So kick kick was really interesting where, uh, kick was co-owned by major league soccer and Google. Um, so this was a time when Google had bought YouTube, um, and they were trying to get people to, to move from, if you remember the YouTube ecosystem was just like, you know, random people filming, uh, their cats and their dogs or street fights at home, um, and then putting it online. (laughs) Um, so YouTube were kind of there. Google was hoping that YouTube would become this place where, you know, a, a shift from watching television to you'd watch your computer and you'd watch you'd watch something on YouTube, some original programming. Um, so they launched kind of these different partnerships. One of them was with Major League Soccer, where they launched Kick TV, um, and Kick TV was covering the global game of soccer um, with you know MLS sprinkled in there, um, and kind of just doing it really fun. You know, we did a daily show plus some other live shows and things. Um, we ended we built up to a million, over a million subscribers on YouTube, um, hundreds of thousands of fans across Facebook and Instagram um, and Twitter. Um, And so we had to be 
you know, we weren't able to any ever use any highlights for many of these, these soccer games. Um, so we had to do get kind of pretty creative with, with our storytelling and, and graphics and, you know, kind of showing soccer without being able to actually show a lot of the soccer, so to speak. <laughs> Well, and, and that, that uh, Kick TV became an incubator for quite a bit of talent. Um, you know, Rachel Bonetta, who's now on uh, Fox, uh, you may have seen, she first started at Kick TV, right? Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. So Rachel, we, we found her when she was just kind of breaking into her broadcasting career. Um, she's not, you know, a staple now on Fox Sports 1 and uh, does a lot, a lot of like different Fox stuff. She's at the Super Bowl this year and everything. Um, you know, Jim, we were led by Jimmy Conrad, former national team player for the U.S. national team. And yeah, we've moved through some, some good talent at, at Kick TV at that time. And there was good marketing talent behind the scenes as you moved over to the, the Bundesliga. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I've noticed about the, the Bundesliga is they really like those uh, animations, which are kind of fun, <laughs> different. Yes. Um, was that something that was sort of in place before you got there or was that something you helped develop? Yeah, so I kind of, I joined the, the Bundesliga at the time was, uh, they had really no digital presence, which is, you know, was, I moved to Germany in 2016, which is, you know, considerably late in the, the digital world, so to speak. Um, because the you, had, you had started with Kick TV around 2010, right? Yeah, yes. Right after uh, the, the 20, it was about 2020, 2011, when I started kind of with freelance with them. Um so yeah, so you know, at that point we'd been you know fully on on all the social media platforms. The Bundesliga were uh, very old fashioned. I think there's some you know some stereotypes around around German culture maybe uh, that were kind of playing to the truth there. You know, just kind of very conservative. Uh, there was there was no Facebook page for the league. Um, you know, the Instagram was one one picture a day of you know something very bland. Um, they would never show anything controversial in terms of you couldn't show players tackling each other or anything that might have been perceived as a yellow card because um, the league was just afraid that, hey, people are going to think that we're you know, promoting this kind of dirty play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined a content team with, they brought over director of content, uh, Mark Cocker from Tottenham Hotspur at the time. Um, a few other international folks came in to kind of build out this this digital side and Kind of make it more international friendly international focused you know the, the english premier league has the benefit that it's all in english um so it's very accessible for people around the world um the german bundesliga just didn't have a lot of content in english it was very heavy heavily in german um so you know we came in we kind of thought of you know doing these different graphics we launched the facebook page that was a, a few month battle um with kind of the the heads of the bundesliga um, but we we succeeded, and you know now they've got you know millions of fans obviously on there. Um, so yeah, I was, I was trying to be creative, kind of that stuff we took from Kick of you know we don't necessarily need to show the highlights, but we can tell a lot of cool stories about the Bundesliga and the fan culture, and you know it's it's so unique um, as a soccer league. It was just like how do we tell those stories and kind of get get the people there to break out of what they traditionally would do into something new. And so for our listeners who may be thinking, well, my small business is uh, a little late to the game in, in social media, um, you know, that's, there's no, uh, as your experience at the Bundesliga sort of proved, there's no uh, too late to start, right? Because the, the numbers yeah. at the Bundesliga have, have skyrocketed, right? And they have now really, I mean, a lot of their content is, is very creative and very engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as when I joined the Bundesliga, we were at about 325,000 fans on Instagram. Um, and that fall, so I joined in the summer before the season started. Um, and through that season, we we got up to a million followers with kind of these these content changes. 
Um, and you know, once you hit that million, that is just kind of, it's a roller coaster, uh, from there, you know, you just keep going up, up, up. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, you know, it doesn't matter when you join, if you come in to, you know, any social platform or, you know, even marketing platform in general, and you're, you're telling a unique story and in a fun way that's, you know, genuine and engaging people. Um, you know, that's, that's what, that's what counts at the end. It's not, you know, oh, I've had my Facebook page for 10 years. It's what's, what are you putting out there right now? And consistency is the other sort of item that, that really matters to that, right? The Bundesliga Mm -hmm. all year round, even when they're not playing, even now when, you know, no, uh, soccer is going on, uh, they're still out there on social media promoting things. Isn't that right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of, you know, traditionally social media was viewed a lot as like, Oh, just paste, you know, put a link and it'll drive people to our website. And, uh, you know, people online have become immune to that is similar to the sense when we had TiVo came up, right. And people started like, Oh, I can pause during the commercials and just fast forward right through them. I don't need to do this anymore. It's kind of the same, the same way now where people are like, if they just see a tweet, that's just trying to direct you to, you know, some off platform site, it's not going to work. But if you're kind of putting in the time to, you know, consistently build storylines that live in platform. So, you know, if I can keep my Twitter user on Twitter, it's going to be a better experience for them and kind of better experience for me um, telling that story. Then that's kind of the, the ideal there. Mm-hmm. And so what, what sort of uh, stories, you know, did, did you enjoy telling with the, with the Bundesliga? I think for me, you know, is a lot of these, the players that I'd kind of grown up watching, uh, there was my first year, there a few guys that retired. Um, so we did a lot of cool art around, uh, it was at the time, Javi Alonso was leaving, you know, I'm a big, big Liverpool fan. Um, so we did, we did some really cool kind of artworks around all the trophies that he had won in his career. Um, just, I think getting kind of deep into, into those stories with the guys was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to work with players was obviously really cool for me. Um, and then the fan side of the Bundesliga is just, just incredible. So showing, showing kind of how these soccer teams are you know, community assets versus just a professional sports team in a city in Germany. Um, in Cologne, for example, uh, we were showing the at the beginning of the season at the Cologne Cathedral, which is this famous historic cultural site. They do a massive mass where it just it's completely packed out. Thousands of people in soccer jerseys praying for their local soccer team, <laughs> which was not too different from Wisconsin. I yeah. Think. Well, uh, you know, uh, wearing your Jersey to church is acceptable if it's a green Bay Packer <laughs> Jersey here in Wisconsin, yeah. I think, um, exactly. that, all, that also speaks to, I think, well, and, and one, one of the things that helped forward Madison blow up was, uh, that, that sort of sense of, of community and it involved a snowstorm and a pink, uh, plastic lawn flamingo, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. So, uh, our, one of our famous lines, Fulmingo, going Fulmingo, um, came out of the horror of the polar vortex of, of 2019, um, which I still shudder to think about that winter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, you know we're, we were a soccer team. We hadn't played any games yet. Um, we were just kind of sitting around. It was so, so cold. And I think it was snowing almost every single day. Um, and so Jason Klein, our, our intern at the time, who's since come full time onto the team, um, you know, he was just kind of trying to think of what can he do. So he took a flamingo out to out to the field, and each day he started measuring snowfall via Mingo. Um, and then we had a fan who commented, "We're almost at full Mingo," um, and it you know kind of started as a joke between the the online community, um, and then kind of became this rallying cry. And 
you know, going full Mingo means different to, to everybody. Um, to each person, you know, means something a little different. But I think in general, it kind of means going above above that 100% and in a in a Madisonian way, and kind of fun and quirky, uh, flamboyant representation. But you know, that those social media posts went super viral. We had you know thousands and thousands of likes. Different BuzzFeed picked it up. Um, so it's kind of this, in a sense, kind of dumb little project. Um, ended up, you know, really putting forward Madison on the map nationally. Um, and I, well, and I, I should say that uh, I'm going to now violate your your very rule uh, that if you're interested, you know, the the uh, pla- plastic lawn flamingo is actually the official bird of Madison. That's why the yes. flamingo is on the crest. And uh, if you go to forwardmadisonfc.com, they have an article kind of detailing all of that history. And then I think snow is and cold weather are, are two staples of um, the, the Madison community, uh, in general. Um, and, and I'm interested as well, you know, one of the things that you talk about is, uh, um, you know, creating a sense of community online and, and what sort of lessons have you gathered, you know, telling, telling fan stories is one thing, uh, how, you know, how else have you, you've been doing that, uh, to, to kind of build that sense of community because that's yeah, one of your jobs. You are director of community engagement, Cuba. Yes, that's true. And I, I try to, you know, I try to do as much as I can to show the value to my, to my bosses here. Um, <laughs> but no, we, you know, we, we tried to, I think social now is, is a way that it's kind of the first line of communication for people to, to get in touch with you. Um, you know, there's a disconnect in our, in our world now. People aren't as likely to pick up the phone and call if they're upset about something. It's a lot more common that they'll, they'll write off, you know, a tweet or something like that. So we, you know, we really focus on a lot of feedback we've gotten is that people say, you know, whenever I, I send a Facebook message or I tweet to the team or I write a comment on Instagram, someone always responds to me. Um, so the brand is seen as no matter where you are, if you if you call us, we'll pick up the phone, of course. Um, but if you, you know write us an email, send us a tweet, send us a message on Facebook, we, we try to respond to every single person that engages with us. Um, and that's kind of a goal between myself and Jason. Um, and we kind of split up the platforms and, you know, it's, it, it gives the sense of the people that, you know, we're listening to them. Um, we take in the concerns of our fans and, you know, if we make a wrong decision for some reason, we'll, we'll fix that if that's the feedback we get. Um, so I think it's just about constantly listening, constantly engaging, talking, conversing, you know, no comment is, uh, too benign to get a, get a response from the team. As, as I've proven by my multiple comments, uh, <laughs> yes. on Twitter, um, in, in building a, in, in telling a story, each sort of platform has a, a different, uh, kind of voice and sound to it. Um, do you find yourself posting different content depending on, uh, you know, what, what, how the content comes out, the tone of the content, depending on the medium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Our, uh, and a lot of that is too, like platforms we find are pretty split demographically. Um, so our Facebook page is a, it's a lot more kind of heartwarming, I'd, I'd kind of call it like safer content. Um, we, have, we have a lot of families on there, a lot of kind of our older demographic that's, that's using Facebook now. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter where we have a little more of a younger voice. Um, that's where you'll find more of our, our memes. Um, I don't want to call it risque content, but you know, some, sometimes we'll have a little more like banter with people or you know call people out on twitter and you know that's our twitter is definitely where we've built more of a national audience um so that's where we can kind of you know tie into some national 
trends or, or things going on outside of Madison that we can, you know, tie in and be a part of the conversation and it, it fits for us. It's not, not too awkward. Yeah. I wouldn't say risque at all, but you know, the idea of, of banter, um, over the weekend, uh, you guys were in a logo competition with the San Diego yes. loyal, another mm-hmm. lower league, uh, soccer team here in the United States. And, uh, you referred to their logo as looking like dish soap logo. <laughs> Um, so that's the kind of, I think on, on Facebook, you guys are focused more on kind of telling the heartwarming stories of the players, of, of the, the mm-hmm. coaches, of the staff. Um, whereas on, on Twitter with the kind of character limit, it's more where you can engage in, in kind of some, some banter, as we say in the yeah. soccer world, uh, witty mm-hmm. repartee, as they say in old romantic comedies, I think. Um, Zingers and, and malarkey. <laughs> exactly exactly uh tomfoolery and shenanigans as well are yes. acceptable there um <laughs> now it, you know you said it's very important to engage uh you know whenever mm-hmm. possible with, with social media comments and so on um if you're a, a small business um you know you guys have two full-time staff obviously most small businesses mm-hmm. aren't going to be able to uh you know hire two full-time people but um, mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions on how people can integrate, you know, maintaining their social media into the, the rest of their uh, business activities or, or so on and so forth? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it, it does take a lot of time. You're totally right on that. Um, there's, you know, Facebook has a lot of helpful tools now where you can, uh, they have some bots almost where you can, you know, auto have some auto messages that pop up to people depending on what they ask. Um, so that's kind of a nice way to buy yourself some time where someone gets, you know, an instant response that might help them or it lets them know that, you know, we're, we're going to get to you as soon as we can. Um, I try to set off, uh, I kind of block off some time in my calendar each day for uh, engagement. So, you know, first thing in the morning, usually I'll spend about 15 minutes kind of just running through Facebook and responding to people. Um, same as, you know, at the end of the day, Jason's on more throughout the day. So he's able to kind of catch things as they're coming. Um, you know, a lot of social media too is kind of after hours, I'll try to, you know, maybe spend 15 minutes checking, which is, it's not ideal. Um, but sometimes you have to go that, that extra mile just to, you know, engage with people and make sure that, that they're heard. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's never easy. I think if you, you set yourself your, your time limits and, you know, make it part of your day, you know, it's not an afterthought. It's, you know, actually part of your, either your marketing strategy or your, your customer services, you know, the social media or your digital platforms getting that, that attention. I think as well, you know, one of the the things now is it's, it's less costly in terms of money in a lot of ways to do social media. Um, You know, you can sponsor posts, et cetera, et cetera, but it is, it can be a little more costly in time, right? It can get to be a, a time suck. Um, as anybody who's, you know, gone down a, a Twitter or Facebook <laughs> or Instagram gram rabbit hole and we'll, you know, kind of come to an hour later yeah. can, can attest to, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, you know, and it's, you know, you get, you put in the, I guess kind of like what you, you put in, what you get out of it, um, mm-hmm. in a sense. So, um, yeah, it can be time consuming, but you know, you set yourself those limits, kind of set the time for it and be as effective as you can when you're scrolling through. Now I'm going to engage here in, in, um, you know, some, some base stereotyping, um, Uh and, you know, humor and those sorts of things are a big part of Ford Madison's brand. And, Uh uh, you know, having known you, uh, personally a little bit, uh, you, you're a relatively humorous guy. Uh, but when you went to the Bundesliga, Germans are known for a, a sort of particular 
sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. Was were there any jokes that like the German folks in the office were just dying over, and and, and you were like, why are we going to put this out in social media? It doesn't make any sense. Um, it was, it was, I mean, it was funny. So we sat together. The Bundesliga still had their their German accounts and then their English accounts, um, and the German accounts never ever tweeted any sort of humor or jokes. Um, they were just like, for whatever reason, um, people expect the Bundesliga to always be straight edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a few of my colleagues that worked on the German accounts were, you know, trying to change that. Um, but you know, if they would try to tweet out a a, a joke, immediately all the replies were like, "Stop it! You're the Bundesliga. Do not make jokes." Um, <laughs> it's like so the we were... <laughs> making jokes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, so they. We used the English accounts to be kind of the more fun version of the Bundesliga. You know, there was that that banter. Um, you know, we'd take some pretty, I mean, for the most part, it was all really conservative. But, um, you know, some shots at different leagues or engaging with players, um, things that the German accounts would never, ever be able to do. Um, so, you know, there was there was a bit of a balance there. It's It wouldn't be, you know, something that, that Flora Madison is able to do. Um, but we tried to do some memes and some fun. We were, we were pushing the limits. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your advice is uh, that our, cl- that, uh, people with small businesses set up a serious account in German and a, a fun account in English. Yeah. Absolutely. When, when is forward Madison, uh, uh, German coming, coming down the pike? We, we haven't found anyone serious enough to run it yet. Um, <laughs> But we're um, looking. But that's one of the cool things as well. Forward Madison has a French language account, not official. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. other, uh, I think there's someone who does, you know, updates in Spanish. Again, not official. And that's one yep. of the things that if you do an, an effective job with with social, uh, your your clients can become ambassadors for your brand. In your case, your fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that's so much of what our engagement is is about creating these. Uh, I kind of think of it as, and this is awful buzzword, but kind of like micro marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, every fan that feels really passionate about our team, because in whatever way we've empowered them, um, they're out and they're, they're, yeah, as you said, you know, kind of evangelists for us. They're in their workplace telling people about they're going to go to the game this weekend. You should totally go. They're online, you know, sharing our content, posting about us. And, you know, like you mentioned, I think there's about 30 30 plus accounts that were created about forward Madison that aren't run by the team. Um, there's, you know, the Shakespearean account of a, a parody account of our captain, um, a few different plastic flamingos, you know, cities from around the country that Madisonians have moved to um, the Wasatch Mingos, the floor Mingos, New York city Mingos, kind of all these, all these people that they're pushing forward Madison content that we're not paying them to do that. Right. They're just doing it because they feel so passionate about, about the brand. And I think at, at a, you know, at a lower level, small businesses can think of, you know, start thinking about clients as, as becoming ambassadors for your brand in the, the level of service you deliver for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, maybe you do it on, on your, you know, personally, I, I, whenever I have brands that I kind of have a good experience with, you know, I'll, I'll try to go on social media and kind of be like, you know, oh, I had a great, great chat with uh, Domino's today. Um, you know, big thanks for the, the delivery or, you know, something like that. So I think, you know, if people and Domino's not a small business example here, but um, <laughs> in our case, uh, our friends down Monroe Street at Pizza Bruda, for instance. Yes, perfect. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, I think every time you have a good experience, people are likely now to you know go on social and you know say thank you, or you know even if that means putting up some sort of 
collateral, you know, in your brick and mortar location or, you know, having a line in an email, like, you know, if you were satisfied, we'd love you to, you know, share about the, you know, about our brand on, on social media. So how has uh, your, your landscape of, of social media marketing changed in the last month, month and a half here? Uh, you know, you're not, you're on an undefined timeline. You don't know when games are uh-huh. coming. Games are really easy content. Um, yeah. You know, like if you ever listen to sports radio during the NFL season, it's a lot easier for guys because it's like, <laughs> you know, Monday and Tuesday, you spend recapping the game Thursday and Friday, you spend previewing the game. You know, uh, Wednesday is kind of a bridge day, but usually there's some breaking news that you can get through. Um, So without the games, content uh, gets a little little harder to manufacture, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, people sometimes are like, oh, I'm excited for the offseason. But I think for me, it's the opposite. I love when we're in season because there's there's a routine and, you know, you kind of have these kind of peaks and valleys between, you know, games. And um, yeah, like you mentioned right now is just, you know, we, we don't know when we're going to be playing again. Our, we can't see our players. We can't see our coaches um, other than via video chat. Um, there's no practices to live stream, nothing like that. Um, we've been trying to get creative with, you know, esports, trying to do as many kind of like virtual chats that we can, you know, just trying to think of ways to keep people engaged with the team. Um, we've started selling growlers and a no contact pickup, um, kind of help generate some revenue. But yeah, it's just about, taking what you do have and then just having a big brainstorm session. I are like, okay, what can we do with this stuff? We know we're not going to, that stuff's like not even an option. Um, and it's just, you kind of have to rebuild a different strategy. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the, with the growlers, you, you speak to something that's uh, I think you guys have been doing really well. And, and that is a good idea just generally in social media is help build up your community around you, link up with your community. You know, uh, those breweries mm-hmm. have, have, have struggled um, and yep. they need they need the help as well. Um, we're seeing it, you know, to some extent on Monroe Street, um, you know, as a member of the Monroe Street Merchants Association, uh, you're seeing a lot of idea sharing back and forth between small business owners. So I think in particular, the, the lessons of social are particularly acute right now in, a, in our current environment, which is... Uh, you know, lean on your neighbors and, and lean on and build a, a community. Um, and that's really mm-hmm. the, the secret to good social media marketing as well, right? It's not just one way content, but building that community. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's the other thing with social is, you know, some brands, they might see other brands on social media as competitors. Um, where I think for us, we've always tried to maintain, you know, really good relationships with uh, when forward, uh, we were heading for our first playoff game. You know, we reached out to all these different businesses and uh, EW Badgers football team and, um, you know, to, to help promote us on social media. So you had, we had all these awesome social media posts from, you know, UW football saying, you know, good luck Ford Madison this weekend in the playoffs. Um, you know, the airport, Madison airport wished us good luck. And it was kind of this, this really good, like kind of community feel, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. We're not just a, a competing business to you, you know, our, our success and your success lifts all of us together. Um, I think you see that a lot right now. So, well, that, that's awesome. Uh, hopefully, uh, Kuba, thanks for your time. Um, before I let you go, uh, your, uh, what are you, what are you, uh, Netflixing, Huluing, uh, you know, uh, on demanding right now to, to help, uh, you know, with the fact that there's no soccer in your life because you even more than me, soccer takes up a big chunk of time. Yeah, I've, uh, so no huge surprise Sunderland till I die. I'm getting through right now. Um, 
but also in the non-soccer world. I'm in a, a F1 Xbox uh, league with some, some of my friends from college. So I'm actually watching uh, the F1 series on Netflix, uh, Dare to Survive. Oh, so that's, getting, a, that's uh, a great series. I think it's the second season. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, and you can go down a, a pretty good, as maybe I have, a uh, pretty good rabbit hole with other sort of Formula One documentaries. If you haven't seen Senna, uh, that's a great yes. documentary as well. Um, so yeah, that, I think the formula one is a good, a, a good, but that's how you're getting your competitive, uh, juices flowing, huh? Yeah. The, the rush is incredible. The adrenaline rush on, on my couch is insane. <laughs> do you have the, the whole steering wheel set up as well? Not yet. A couple of my friends do. So I'm, I'm thinking about working up to it, but, uh, still gotta ask my wife about that. <laughs> what well, I'm sure you've asked already and the look has been <laughs> one of what horror and disgust, more horror than disgust, both. Yeah. Some embarrassment, maybe. <laughs> embarrassment for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, like like uh, me, your dogs are probably in the best shape of their lives as well. Yeah, they love it. They they like. Uh, they're very happy for me to be working from home. Well, uh, thanks again for your time, Cuba. Uh, look forward to, to speaking with you again soon. And uh, th- thanks to all of you for listening. And and stay strong and and keep your heads up. Awesome. Thanks so much, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here. services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.